We doing this or what? That's a that's a um, breach quote. You know breach. Now, when you say that we we're always talking about Sopranos, I feel like we are not always talking about Sopranos. We're not always, but we already talked about it. When did we talk about it? The last time that we had a discussion, and I was like, "How do you feel about the Sopranos?" And you're like, "It's not as good as The Wire." That does sound do like me. Remember this discussion? Is that does sound like happened? me. It's it's it it's stressful for me to watch Sopranos because of how angry Tony is all the time. I like it. You like his anger? Because because you don't have to like Tony, you know? I just like to know... I feel like the disturb... I, I just want to see what's happening. And, like, I don't like any of it. Like, yeah. I don't... Maybe, I mean, you could make arguments that, like, maybe the, the you know, the psychiatrist or whatever, she's all right. But yeah. you know, she, she has her own issues. Uh, it, it's kind of just like watching a, a train a train wreck. And yeah, it, it, I, I, I agree with that. That's a very like proper assessment of it because it's it's shocking to me how often every it's it's just like grown men torpedoing themselves constantly. Like every, anytime there's a chance for someone to get better, like Chris or whatever, you know, going for his acting career and then just beating someone up and then, you know, being violent and doing a bunch of drugs. And it's like, you know, there's... You guys could all benefit from not doing everything you're doing, but I mean, it's it's also a show that's about toxic masculinity, right? Yeah, but the I think that I think that the the weird thing about Sopranos though is that more than a lot of other shows that do this, that um, there's probably too many people that think that The Sopranos is about how cool Tony Soprano is, which is disturbing. You know what I mean? Like that 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 totally wrong take of like. Yo, it's so cool. Like, Tony is such a fucking badass. He, like, yells at his wife and, like, cheats all the time and gets gobbled. Like, that's what I want. He's di- he's you emotionally like distant. He's emotionally distant the way that I want to be. And his kids don't respect him. All right, but do you like Gabagool? I do. Is it really? Is this, anyone really pronounce it that way? Because isn't, isn't it like Capicola? Yeah, like, it's not it's, even close. It's Capicola, no, I mean, but then it just it just turns into Capicola. Well, Sopranos Capicola. is is like. Capicola. Like I think that maybe I wonder if this was intentional, but it's I don't wonder if there's a layer of uh, of how Italian Americans bastardized the Italian language and then don't understand it at all, at all themselves. So like Tony goes to Italy and he has like you know he, oh he, yeah he's That's so such a good episode. Tony is don't... so proud of his heritage. He's so proud of being an Italian and he speaks like a t- second grader in Italian. He has no understanding of that language and then because of weird like ghettoization like that like you know you you have a group that has moved somewhere else and then slowly you know bastardizes a word the italian americans have all these fake words and then tony gets to and then he does that thing that i dealt with my whole life growing up where someone's like hey can i just get a little bit of gnoli like what happened to you did you have like a brain bleed near the end of the sentence what happened that you had to switch from english to italian and that like the only time you do that is with these like few italian words and you and you're doing it wrong probably so a mozzadel something like that it's like it's like what happened to the word i don't think that that's even how italians pronounce it so why why do this thing you know and that's the deal with the sopranos this is what's the deal with the sopranos for the week of uh whoa march May wait. May May the third May, third be with you. May, whoa. May the fourth May, be with you. I mean, let's count. Ca- let's count it. Let, I'll give it to you that right. May the fourth be with you. Wow, here we That's are. I, I, you know, 
It, it, it would have been better for us to not it would have been better for me to sk- skate by that joke this time and then just not <laughs> say it this time and then maybe someone would have caught it maybe rob or the collector would have just caught on to like hey you didn't say the would be with you on may the 4th um it's i i have been playing i maybe you said you haven't been playing that many video games maybe your video games have transferred to me like a va- I'm a video game vampire, and I've been playing everything. I am. The thing I have... is, uh, let, do we have any new games to talk about? I mean, I, I've been, I have. I, I have new games. Pizza Tower. Did I, have, I have Pizza new Tower? games. I have tons I've been of new things. Pizza Tower. Okay. Have you Pizza Tower yet? I mean, it's it's pretty new. Uh, so I don't think you played Cruelty Squad, but Pizza Tower is Wario Land meets Cruelty Squad. Or kind of meets Super Jail, if you'd ever seen Super Jail. I've seen Super Jail. Yeah, so that's kind of what Pizza Tower is. Is It it is like this very crusty platformer. Wow. uh, Where you play as... Crusty. Saucy. Yeah, you play as Pepino, who is a... Pepino Spaghetti, that's his name, of course, naturally. Speaking of, speaking of uh, this is how you, agile, why, powerful, fat, yeah. Why didn't talents. you? Why didn't you somehow segue in from Sopranos into pizza into pepperoni spaghetti? Yeah. So this it's it's a platformer. It's it's very fast. It, it is a very fast platformer that gets faster the the more you are. And, and one thing that I appreciate about this game is. You think about games like Meat Boy or like Celeste, and I don't know if any of them have a combo meter, but this one has a combo meter. And and I feel like there's something to that where essentially you're building up your combo meter by like smashing bricks, moving fast, and destroying enemies. And the ultimate goal is to try to get into... uh, It's it's an infiltrate and exfiltrate mission where you're going... Uh, to the end of the level, and Why you're finding this this column, uh, which is essentially holding up the pizza tower, and you break it, and then you have to exfiltrate. But now, wh- why does why does level, pepperoni spaghetti hate the pizza tower so much? That's that he... his name, Pepino, and it's because his pizza shop is in debt, and he blames the pizza tower for people not coming to his pizza shop. So he has I to think. enact a sort of violence to he yes because the pizza tower is causing his bad his pizza shop to go in debt he must destroy the pizza tower yeah and my understanding is that there's a demonic entity at work which which manifests itself as this evil floating pizza yeah that checks out that kind of gives him the destruct the the instructions and is like you must destroy the pizza tower so he goes for it uh go get it this game has some some ms paint style to it it does. Everything that you do is really well animated. There are so many frames of animation that just look so good. You have a taunt button that it, it doesn't do anything. Uh, if you have a high enough combo, if you taunt, it'll clear the screen. But mostly it's just there because it's cool. It's like cool to press the button and to see him like do a little dance. Uh, and it's the like a touchdown music dance? in this game is great. Th- this game might have the best soundtrack of 2023 energy wow uh, it is really terrific a, a really good mix of like some jazzy stuff some chiptune stuff and and just like you would be you'd be surprised by by the the breadth of the soundtrack by the bread of the soundtrack the breadth 
the breadth. You're, you're, By the, I, I the garlic bread of the soundtrack? The garlic breadth of yeah. the soundtrack. Yeah. The garlic breadth of the soundtrack. Wow. And and every level has like a like a gimmick to it. There's one level where you get into like a knight's uniform and you can't dash, but as soon as you hit like a slope, you like go charging sword forward. There's a level where you play as uh I'm pretty sure his name is Alfredo. It's gotta be Alfredo. You play as Alfredo. No, his name which is Pepino friend, Spaghetti. and then there's a giant mouse. Is Alfredo you, you, Alfredo is his Luigi? Yes. Or Ling- Alfredo is why, Luigi. Why was he not Linguini? Wouldn't that have been better if it was Maybe he is. If it was Peppino if... Spaghetti and like Alfredo Linguini? Maybe that's it. I don't know. See, I'm I'm but rating. Yeah. I'm I, these are these are free. Lots of playable. So yeah, what every stage like has its own gimmick. There's like a a graveyard stage where you're like surfing on zombie cor- corpses and turning into a ghost. That's not really related to pizza, but sure. That's what I'm trying to say is Pizza Tower's got a little bit of everything. And it, it feels big. I, I think that there's... I am on the th- third floor out of five, and I'm six hours in, so I'm guessing this is like a, a 10-hour deal for okay. 20 bucks. So it's a tight, like, infiltrate, exfiltrate platformer with, like, WarioWare vibes. Is it kind of um, Hotline Miami-ish where... You kind of keep failing constantly until you get no. to the point where you know exactly how you know you can pretty much just do it on the first try. Or... There's there's no uh, so what's interesting is that on the way in you can't lose like you can't die, but on the exfiltration you die if you don't get out in time. So they kind of made a clank game here. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes, Pizza Tower is pretty cool. It's got. Uh, 98% overwhelmingly positive on Steam with 23, 22,000 reviews. That's a lot of reviews. Yeah. So I, I 98% feel like is pretty, pretty fucking high. For the donkey audience, this is a, the, the Venn diagram is a circle, which, and, and yeah. when I say a circle, I mean a pizza. Mamma mia. <laughs> Mamma mia. Gabagool. That's the new game I've been playing. That's I've it. I've been playing I, a lot of old games. I have been playing a, a lot of new and old games. Um, I do want to uh, start out by saying that I finished Signalis. And, okay, that's an old game. And that has been, well, it's, you know, it's relatively new because it came out in October. But um, I, I, I just am mentioning it because I finished it and I was super blown away, really impressed. Um, I think out of all the games that I'm going to talk about, this is the one that I'm just, I, I got into this big Signalis lore hole. Where I recently found like a two-hour video of Signalis lore, the 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 story of it is surprisingly deep and 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 very good. It's one of the better video game narratives I've I've experienced in a, in a really long time, and the world building for it and the world and and everything going on is just like so unique and such an interesting thing that the it's it really is like a cult hit game right now where you can find a lot of you know youtube interpretations of what happened and uh, you know narratively it really reminds me of a murakami novel where in a, in a lot of like my favorite murakami novels they'll you know have multiple characters that might kind of almost get mixed in your head as the same character. It's like very like the the whole the the, sure. the way that the, the the narrative is structured is very dreamlike and weird. And 
um, you know, unreliable narrator. But then importantly, um, one of the big major elements of the narrative is that the robots, the androids that live, have a a, a template uh, of like a human that has died um, has been like their brain has been downloaded as the template for an android. So, for example, there's just one android that has to perform very like stoic duties and be alone for a long time. So they use this the template of this soldier, um, and they'll mass produce this. But it, there's just kind of this interesting element of that breaking out like the the um part of the brain in these androids that is that you know relates back to this soldier and her experience during a war and what she did um kind of being unearthed and uh making her kind of like lose her mind like starting to like remember who she was even though she's now a mass-produced android you know that like it's it's very interesting it's very fantastic and um hearing different people's interpretations of it and then also the breakdown of this very like super interesting bizarre um world uh i think is really just fantastic and it and also signalis was kind of done by two people so big huge shout out to people that do like the the team that worked on this it's like it's such a phenomenal game uh, with such a small staff and i just cannot highly recommend it enough like it it really it does that PS1 era survival horror and tells like a fantastic narrative uh, uh, all the the whole time. So I just really well, make sure to write that down for your uh, 2023 is 2022 yeah, of the year. It is gonna. I feel like it's like a lock for that. So um, for other other than that, um, I've also been I play, playing. I, I played Cassette Beasts. Oh, Did tell me about this because because a uh, friend of the show Jan has been playing this, and I was talking to him today, and he said. And he said he has no time for anything else. No Honkai Star Rail for him. He said, just Cassette Beasts. I didn't play a lot of it, but it's on Game Pass, so that's pretty exciting. So the aesthetic of this game is pretty neat. It is a creature capturing game uh, where the... Sort of in like a Monster Rancher style where they were captured on discs. Uh, these monsters are captured on cassettes. And... One of the things that's kind of interesting is that you play as a person and and well more specifically you as a person turn into the beast and you sort of have a party of other humans with you uh, and you try to like persona like upgrade your relationships with these people and as you're upgrading your relationships with them you have the ability to Dragon Ball Z style uh, fuse your monsters with their monsters depending on how well your relationship is so in the middle of a battle once you've gotten enough enough juice your two monsters can combine to make a, a stronger monster uh, that has like the combination of all your stats collectively interesting uh, it's got a good style too it does, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Also. So, so is this a, this is a Pokemon game though like what is the yeah, it's, 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 it's a turn based right it is, it is Pokemon to a T, yes, uh, where you are going through the world and sort of like, you know, like a Pokemon or like a Metroidvania, you're getting new, like, passive abilities that are helping you get your way through the world. It's, it's an isekai, I should say that, where your character was, like, transported to this world and everybody, most people in this world seem to have been transported here from somewhere else. I'm not sure if this is like sort of a, a limbo sort of world or, or what the deal is. This game 
despite it being on Game Pass, it also seems like maybe an excellent Steam Deck game, right? Yeah. Like, these types of games always thrive oh, on Oh, man, Steam, Steam Deck. Deck is popping off for me right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, so you're probably not looking for another game to play. Oh, but no. But I would urge you to maybe check out uh, Cassette Beasts, because it does have a good style to it. it. It seems to have a little bit more going on than a Pokemon game, which is... I think the case for every single monster <laughs> game that is the, a Pokemon. The bar, game. the bar is so fantastically low that to say that it has, it's a Pokemon game with a little bit more going on than a Pokemon game is just. It really is like just walking over that limbo bar. Yeah, one thing that I do think is is kind of interesting is that I, I don't know if they did this, um, if they handcrafted this, but every single monster combination i'm pretty sure they're all unique there's like a hundred monsters and their fusions so far have all looked unique that seems impossible couldn't that a hundred to the what is that ten thousand yeah. right i mean it's not a hundred times a hundred because it accounts it's it's a hundred factorial yeah uh which is a hundred times 99 times 98 times 97 and so on because it can't fuse with itself and you can't repeat fusions uh math uh but yeah i mean it's neat it's 20 bucks this game seems like a game that you could get 20 bucks out of 20 bucks are free on game pass for people who have have crossed that hurdle yeah what do you got um so i i don't know if you had played any of this um mage seeker no okay so you haven't played any mage seeker so uh so this is a new game this is a new game by digital sun uh, who are the people who made Moonlighter? So it's like I like Moonlighter. So I, I like Moonlighter too. So it's isometric, um, pixel uh, art style. But the but it, their their type of pixel is that the the pixels are so small that it's it's pretty. It looks closer to hand drawn, especially the way that it animates. It's so fluid. But um, anyway, so the uh, this is in the League of Legends world, um, not in the Moonlighter world. This is okay. not in the Moonlighter world. This is a League of Legends Riot Forge game. So this was Riot produced, made by Digital Sun of Moonlighter. And wow, the amount of... Okay, so I don't know how to sell this game unless someone explains to you all the crazy shit that goes into this game. Um, because other than... If I looked at this game on the outside I, and I had no affinity for League of Legends... I don't know if it, if it would jump out, if it would be... Ex it, because it's a, it's a you know, isometric-y pixel art, you know, done in the Moonlighter style, um, uh, like, beat-em-up, kind of. Oh, like, like uh, hack-and-slashy, like, action-adventure-y game. Um, and that, I don't know if it sounds, like, super interesting, other than the whole, you know, it's set in the League of Legends universe, so if, you're, if that's your jam, then... Then here you go. But um, they picked such an interesting character, and how they abuse that character's abilities and lore uh, is so creative. It is out of control. So you play as Silas, who is a character in League of Legends, whose I, I his main thing is that he has these like he was a mage who was imprisoned, and he broke out of the prison, but he's still kind of a shackled. So his weapon, his weapons are these long chains on his on his hands on his like the, the handcuffs that he's wearing kind of and 
four abilities that he has. I know he has like, you know, like an AOE, I think. I know he can like grapple and move towards you. And one of the big things of his kit is that his ultimate is that he steals the enemy's ultimate, right? Yep. Okay, so so this is a um this is a like action adventure game where like you're you're hack and slash, you're beating up enemies and enemies that have magic abilities, you can steal them mid-combat. So some of the most fun elements of any sort of like action game are here so he has you know full screen grapple so the movement is crazy he has a a really low cooldown invincible dash so you just like you feel great you're moving around great the the hits feel pretty good but the crazy things about silas is that you first of all can take magic into a stage to use or you can steal magic from enemies and the game gets really really creative with this so the example being like a boss that changes between ice form and fire form and you steal ice beat up the boss a little bit and then when they go to fire you can hit them with a big huge ice attack um and and vice versa so um and and like one of the first things they kind of have you doing is that you know there's a fire mage and an ice mage attack you at once so if you grab the steal the fire mage's fireball and throw it at the ice mage you can crit them for big damage if you steal the frost bolt from the ice mage so so you can kind of see where this is going and they just get really really creative with that they get very um they they, they implement a lot of magic stealing and ability stealing and stuff that is just so fun like you're just stealing bosses uh, attacks and abilities um one of the the elements of the game is that there's this kind of elemental wheel but it works very differently than other games so instead of there being a pokemon style uh like circular kind of um fire beats ice ice beats what is it uh, uh fire beats uh uh grass grass beats water water beats fire kind of thing Uh, um it's just uh like ice and fire counteract each other so ice will crit fire fire will crit ice and then there's other elements too so kind of mid the 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 kind of way that the game plays out is that you're going on these linear um like uh emissions and and you're going into these big like um arena fight rooms and you're looking for, you know, the, okay, I know that enemy has a nature spell, so I'm going to steal nature from that enemy and then hit a lightning enemy over there. Um, so, so it just, like, it, it, and like I said, like, the, the movement is fantastic because you're grappling across the screen. The boss fights have been so creative. They're very um, mechanic-based. They're not really, like, you're, just, you're not just, like, DPSing them. It's very, like, learning the boss's patterns and doing all this kind of stuff. And then the League of Legends cameos are really, really cool. There was a, a fairly shocking cameo to me, um, uh, uh, you know, a couple hours into the game. Um, so this game is, like, it's really, really good, and it's, and it's doing a lot of cool things. And the way that they're using Silas is so, so creative. I'm really impressed that they that they managed to like really take this character who has this kid of stealing this ultimate and just build an entire game around him being like hyper mobile and stealing enemies abilities. And there's just so much, you know, it's one of those like very thick mechanical games of like, there's just so many things that are going on. Like you're, you, you have like different, you learn different combos. You uh, have people who are following you. Your whole thing is like, um narratively silas breaks out uh uh i didn't know some of this kind of stuff but apparently um demacia has like a ban on magic 
Yeah. Um, so so Demacia is a very against magic, and there's people called Mage Seekers who sometimes... Oh, you've got Garen, who's like a... He doesn't have mana, he silences, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, you fight Garen in the very opening... In, in the very opening part of this game. But, um, so... So, yeah, Demacia is, like, against magic, and there's this whole faction called the Mage Seekers that are this, like, magic, anti-magic Gestapo that, uh, if anyone is seen doing magic, they're imprisoned for life. And Silas was caught doing magic and imprisoned, and then his best friend prior to this was Lux, who it does, in fact, have magic and hides it from her brother. And Silas stole her, you know, final spark or whatever it is to... Uh, bust out of jail and caused a massive riot that caused like a giant um, prison riot and then uh, saved the mages and now is plotting a coup uh, on Jarvan the Fourth and Demacia. Um, so, you know, I, like I, I like all of it. I'm learning a little bit of stuff of like League of Legends elements uh, to the, the lore that I didn't know and the way that they're using this character, I think, is just fantastic. It has a fantastic art style. It's just, it looks it looks very, like, hand-drawn, hand-animated, where um, it's just so smooth in, in person. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's 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 very good. I, I, I highly recommend it. I wonder if, I don't I don't know if this is on, um, it's it's a bargainier game. I know it's like... like a, it plays like a Hades sort of thing? Um, no, I wouldn't. I mean, like... Yeah. I wouldn't exactly say that. I mean, it's certainly not roguelike. You are going from mission yeah, to mission. Um, it is a isometric action. Um, so, so I guess in some sense, it does have like a little bit of a Hades because Hades is also like isometric actiony game. Um, so, so yeah, it's not the worst comparison, but of, of course, take the roguelite elements out of it. But, but if you want, if you're talking minute to minute, like you, it's a lot of walking around these um, League of Legends areas and then going, getting into fights and sometimes cool, in big arena. Like yeah. Top. yeah, yeah, like you, your your first experience is, is Garen coming like, to gank you. I gotta take this Urgot's ability. And, uh, do you get to steal any uh, ultimate abilities from League of Legends? Yes, characters? yes. That's fun. You do. Um, and that's do you, why... I, do you finish Garen with his, with his giant sword ability? I don't know because you fight Garen very early on in a planned lo- losing fight. Uh, um he's like in the first 10 minutes or so you fight garen and it's like a purposeful loss fight um but um there is a there is shortly after like they keep talking about this one this witch and it's secretly a a famous league of legends character and i was pretty surprised when i saw her and um you steal her ultimate and you get to keep it you take lux's ultimate no not lux uh but it's It's so cool. It, it's a it's a very good game. I've been playing a lot of it. Um, is there is there should I I save some more of stuff that I've been playing or? Do you, well, I, I don't have any more new games. I have so. I have some more. Um, well, so I I, I finished I pl- I started and finished Ender Lilies. Are you familiar with this game? Not really. Okay, I so think... it is a little bit on the older side. It came out June twenty first, twenty twenty one. Um, wow, I, and I think old. I I think I had bought it at the time, but I I I want to say, and maybe I'm completely wrong on this. I I want to say it was like either early access or something, or or maybe it just didn't jive with me that opening minutes. And then um, I was playing, uh, what was I playing? I was playing oh Rusted Moss. I think was is, is Rusted Moss is a new Metroidvania game um, uh, that is like 
it's kind of inter- it's kind of like based around the guns if that makes any sense like like you have like i think you start off with kind of like a pistol and then you get like an ak and it's it's just it's got this like interesting weird look but it's um it's a uh, pixel art metroidvania game and it, i was i thought it was okay and uh i wasn't you know super hot on it and then mean you know it kind of got me thinking more about uh metroidvanias and i i saw that i had ender lilies that i had bought a while ago and i hadn't played um and that it was it was uh you know reviewed so well so i uh i wanted to check it out again and i just like really fell in love with it and i i ended up finishing it um it's oh wow one of the better metroidvania games i've ever played um it's got a really strike you say that a couple of times about thing i mean video games are iterative right so, yeah. so I, I i don't make any qualms about games that are i i did not say the best i said it's one of the better i mean it's not it's not certainly not symphony of the night or something but but uh but i mean like it's it's it, video games are iterative right if you say so um but it's got this hand-drawn uh, gothic kind of look and one of the things that i like the most about it is that um the character you play as uh lily doesn't fight um so all the fighting is kind of done by these spirits uh that you're getting and i it's not exactly maybe the way that you would want this but you're you're using enemy abilities um it is a it, it's not like um uh blood what is it bloodstained Yep. So, so Bloodstained had that whole like the enemies randomly have a chance to drop their ability, right? So in in Ender Lilies, uh, it, it it you you still have that, um, but it, it's you get them from the bosses. So there there's like a mini boss of almost every single enemy in the game, I believe, like pretty close to every single enemy in the game, and uh, you get their kind of key ability by defeating them. Um, and they kind of follow you as spirits. So it, it's, so you have like, you know, between auto attacks that are, um, like a, the auto attacks often come from like the big bosses, but then all your kind of abilities come from the enemies that you're fighting. Um, and yeah. it's it just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very, for people who like Metroidvania, I think it's a, it's a really good one of those. Uh, like I feel like, uh, Tron would love that because uh, oh the, be, i th- actually i remember what happened was i downloaded i downloaded um uh hollow knight again because i i, I did my yearly oh, my yearly attempt to see if i like that game and um did not enjoy it at all and bounced right off of it and then went to um ender lilies and had a much better time and instantly jive with it one, one thing that i actually really like about ender lilies is that um this is a weird thing to. It's like I, I appreciate this more because th- so many games do the Dark Souls thing of you drop your experience and it makes you feel bad. It makes you um, like it. It does. Ra- it, it purposely ratchets up the tension, but then it also makes you feel bad for making a mistake or going into an area that you're not familiar with when you're like low health. And Ender Lilies doesn't, you know, thankfully like gets away from that. It's 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 kind of a good mix between a Salt and Sanctuary 2D Dark Souls with with like the combat on that kind of level, um, but but also Metroidvania. You you are getting abilities. You are you know, finding areas to progress in the world. You're, you're coming up upon, like, the, these roadblocks and everything. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't have that. I, I really just appreciate it not having that huge punishment for death because I'm, I'm getting, like, a little sick of that. 
um, in games that like, because so many games just do that, thinking that people unequivocally want that. But I, I don't know if it's, you know, that fantastic of a mechanic or that it, it, it deserves that it needs to be in every game. It almost is like nice sometimes to play a game that's not trying to go for that. Have you tried manning up? I guess I guess I didn't sack up. You tried up. manning up. I was, I was watching a Marvel Snap stream today and someone in chat was like, why do you keep retreating? You need to stay in. You need to be brave like a man. That's a good attitude to have for someone who's in the like rank 20 in Marvel Snap. You need to go down with the ship. Or are you really a captain? That's I mean, that's what happened with the Titanic, right? Yeah. So, I yeah, I played Ender Lilies. I really like that a lot. Um, yeah, I played Rust- about old games. Rusted Moss. About old games. Um, I played old games. You know, I, I played um, Vampire Survivors, which just got new DLC. Yeah. You know, when I play Vampire Survivors, I'm always reminded of why it's the best one of these games. And I, I think for me, you could say that other ones might have better like moment to moment. But I feel like Vampire Survivors has the best, uh, like treadmill. It 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 might not have like. The, as in, the most... as in, you're always kind of getting new things, or. Yes, as in like the carrot. You, you mean the carrot is the carrot on yeah, the stick has, is always there. It, it has the best carrot, uh, and it ha- because it always like there's such a ramp to it of like you you do a thing you get a new character or you do a thing you get a secret or. I don't know if you got far enough in to start unlocking Arcanas. Did you get Arcanas? I think I got my first Arcana. Yeah, so the Arcanas, you, you, throughout the course of a run, you pick three, but it's, it's a perk that changes the way that your kit works. Where an example of, of an Arcana is uh, every time that you heal, you damage enemies around you for that much. And then it'll show you what items it synergizes with. So any items... If you take any, like, lifesteal items, then you're going to, like, base your run around, like, I'm going to run into things to take damage so that I can heal the damage and deal extra to them. And, or, you know, some of them will be, like, your projectile speed fluctuates between negative 50 and positive 50, but you get one projectile speed every level. So then once you get, like, you know, 10 minutes into the run your projectile speed just goes insane. Uh, and, and it's cool because it kind of allows you to like tailor your run to uh, specific item builds and sort of like consider your kit based on the arcanas that you pick instead of just, you know, randomly picking items to assemble something. Uh, so they've released new levels and with the new levels, and, and you know, the game is cheap. It's like a $5 game with $2 expansions. But the $2 expansions, they're adding like, complex levels and more interesting characters that have unique weaponry to them uh and you know they they introduce it to you in a way that's like if you beat the level with the character you unlock another level and we've hidden a secret on this level that's going to unlock another weapon and and things like that that are making the game bigger than just the level or just the characters but they're actually giving you options for when you return to older levels or for when you're returning to get secrets that you haven't gotten before. Uh, you have new characters and, and weapons to play around with for those runs too. So it's been cool. And they're making a TV show. What? How would that work? I don't know. But they're making an animated show 
So it's going to be like Castlevania, but they're going to make it really hardcore, vi- very violent vampire survivors. I don't know. They had a recent animated trailer, and it went hard. Like the trailer for the Tides of Fiskari DLC. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good looking trailer. It's funny. I I when I've seen those trailers and some of the the um like sort of like box art images that they use on like the splash art on Steam, and it's so funny. I mean, I guess it's classic. This is the classic, you know, Ness kind of thing where you have all this good art and then you get into the game and the game is like this very retro, very... I don't think the Vampire Survivors is necessarily good looking. I don't think that it's going for that, you know, but... Yeah, it does what it do. It, it do what it do. Um, I I've play... also been playing... I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one too. Uh, I've been into the idea of playing Dead Island 2 because it's getting good reviews. People have been talking it up, but also uh, Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out soon. Diablo 4 is coming out soon. I've had some outrageous veterinary costs, and most importantly, I'm spending like $12,000 on home renovations right now, uh, which means... You gotta unclog the gutters. Another $60 on Dead Island 2, despite it looking pretty good, uh, just wasn't in the cards. So I went back to Dying Light 2, uh, and they just had like a massive update where they like uh, essentially like they added new ways of like 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 they updated the combat system. Uh, the update is called Gut Feeling, and essentially what they did is they sort of like upgraded the oomph of the combat to make it uh, there more feedback when you hit an enemy. And I think that that's really important. That's always In a important. Game yeah, like this, that you get this feedback. So now you're getting things of like when you hit the, and I think that they must have borrowed some of the tech from Dead Island, but it's like when you hit something, you're seeing a, like a mark on them when you hit them and better decapitations, better dismemberment, uh, like cutting open the guts uh, in in ways that feel really visceral. I feel like this is what you're saying is the kind of thing that they would like talk about. uh, They would use a transcript of that on the podcast about... Uh, on like the in the Senate or something, James Mason from the WTG said that he liked better. He said that this game has better decapitation, better evisceration. The guts are spilling out. Stuff like that is. So I know when, you when mean. I first played this game, I was kind of tepid on it, and part of it was because of the environment, where it felt like um, ultimately it felt like. The, the best way to describe like the trajectory and why I started really enjoying this game is that you start the game in Queens and after Wait, like takes place 10 in or Queens? 12 hours, they bring you to Manhattan where it's like, I didn't know it was in in, like Queens. These, these, what? I didn't know that was in Queens. It, it's, it's not the point I'm making. The, the point is like, it starts you where there you're like going through like these very small buildings and it's very like residential but part ways through the game, they start sending you to the center city where it's like these massive skyscrapers and they give you like a paraglider and the game just becomes like way more vertical and way more interesting where it's like the, the game is part Mirror's Edge, part like zombie survival, where a lot of it is like puzzle solving of how are you going to get through this area with the skills with like the parkour skills that you've unlocked so far. But the areas were really uninteresting for a while. There were these like three-story buildings uh, with not that much going on. But 
like I said, 12 hours through the game, they send you to these much crazier areas with a lot more going on. And it just becomes so much more interesting. And it made me think, like, why does it take so long to get here? And they just keep introducing all of these new and interesting mechanics to the game. Like, as you get on, you you um, you unlock, like, these different, like, faction reputations where you're doing bounties with specific people. And as you do them, you're unlocking new perks throughout the city. Uh, and it's, it's stuff like that. And, and the character upgrades you get become way more interesting. And it's just like, why didn't you start the game with this? Like, it, it's crazy how far into the game I had to get for it to just become really interesting. And I think that the plot of the game, it, it's got a great plot. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Like, you have to make some interesting, like, moral decisions. And they're not even moral because they're, they're, they're kind of gray areas of, like, do you want to help out, like, the free folk uh, who are just trying to get by? Or do you want to help out like the peacekeepers who are more of like this organized military kind of group that are interested in keeping people safe, but also enforcing law. Uh, and, and there's, it's an interesting choice to make. And, and the, the perks that you get based on which ones you choose, it's, it's kind of neat. And also uh, <laughs> this game made me upgrade to windows 11, which oh, yeah. is kind of funny but the reason why is that Dying Light 2, by default, doesn't have HDR, but Windows 11 automatically can apply HDR to any game. Uh, and that was enough to make me be like, all right, I got to see what the HDR looks like in this game. And it, it looks awesome. The HDR, once you get it through Windows 11, looks so good in this game uh, that I just had to do it. Now, it, I, it, I, the game is all... Go on. I forget. So this is Dying Light or Dead Island? This is Dying Light 2. Made by the same people, pretty much. Okay. They are the same people. I get those so mixed up. Dying Light is a little bit more serious. Dead Island is a little more campy. There's only been two of each of these games. I also didn't know that it, went, it, was, it took place in Queens. That's pretty wild. It doesn't. That was a, that was a metaphor. Okay. Does not take place in Queens. What a bummer. You got me so excited. I was like, I, I, I love when it's areas that I might know. You know? Who, who wouldn't like that? Go play Spider-Man. Go play Spider-Man? I mean, you're right. I would love to swing around Queens at Spider-Man. and then he You actually really... do get to swing around Queens as Spider-Man. Really? How does he, how does he swing yeah. around? There's not really high up buildings for him to swing. Uh, I don't know. You'll have to, you'll have to, I only got to the Manhattan part. They start you in Manhattan in that game. <laughs> and then, and then you go you to Queens? Like That's weird. Yeah. You know and I'm that sure Miles Morales mostly takes place in Queens. Interesting. And I think the whole thing about Miles Morales is like he has a more flexible move set because he doesn't have those big buildings. That's interesting. And did you know that when he witnesses someone move last turn, he becomes a one five? Oh wow. Yeah. That's interesting. You think about that. Maybe uh, that means that he's like good at following people. Like what do you th what do you think thematically that means? I think he's just horny to watch people move, you know? No, really. What do you think? Do you think that that's what it is, or do you think that? Also, how weird is it that um, the Spider-Man card in Marvel Snap is the only one that doesn't really have movement, right? Like we have all yeah, these all of his other cards coming, and they're all move cards except for Spider-Man. Yeah, that's a that's a really weird oversight, right? Or or just a weird design choice. So 
What else, have I, what else have I played? Uh, I played more Raven's Watch. I, I, I thought that there was only one hero. There are six heroes right now, but it still is the one stage. But um, it is kind of cool. It is kind of doing something different, but I feel like the game is balanced either incorrectly or it's really pushing you to do co-op. But just it, it's kind of cooler than I originally thought it was, and I just can't wait for this game to kind of get the updates it needs. Um, okay. I talked about this a little bit last time. It's like the curse of the old gods yeah. uh, people or dead gods people. Um, but the what makes it unique, I didn't really notice the first time, is that you're kind of plopped down on like a what kind of feels like an MMO map where you're you're going to different areas and you can kind of go where you want. And then instead of it being like a roguelike where you're going from room to room and deciding... Um, what the next room is and what you what rewards you want or if you want a combat room or like to heal or something you're just walking around this map and finding like a camp of enemies and it says like oh there's a treasure chest if you defeat them in this time and that there's also a um, time element where a boss is going to appear on the map after a certain amount of time so that's kind of um, I, I also really liked the ways that they uh, did the character kits because the characters are pretty creative. So one character I played is the Pied Piper. And um, when he's hitting enemies with uh, his abilities, uh, he summons rats. And uh, every upgrade you're getting for the levels are uh, those kind of talent tree, very interesting, you know, build developing upgrades of I don't know, you, you the limit on rats is raised, so you can get more rats. Rats explode. Rats don't explode. Rats stay around longer. Rats can't be killed. You know, all those kind of creative things. That yeah, it's that like, sounds like a gunfire reborn tier of upgrading, which yeah. is very good. Okay. It's, all, it's all kind of like pushing you in different directions build-wise that reminds me of like talent trees in an MMO or something. Um, so that, that game is, is pretty good. Um, I'll, wait. I'll wait on it. Yeah, it, it, it is not to be... I don't, I, I'm not recommending it now. Um, let's see. I play you. You and I both played the Street Fighter demo, right? Street Fighter comes out next month. Yeah. Um, it comes out in June, and I, I continually am so bummed out that <laughs> what? It's a bad demo. It's a it's a really bad demo. It's um, a bad demo for what will probably be a good game. It'll probably be a great game. Yeah, I I don't I still you know when I first saw Street Fighter Six, I didn't like the aesthetic of it at all. Um, and oh, I'm not with you. I totally disagree. Oh, I I, there's great. something really uncanny valley and weird to me about the ways that the characters animate. And like Luke is a good example is that when he crouches down, his body is so far forward. And also his legs seem unnaturally short compared to his giant gorilla arms. And he's just like the characters. There's okay. something that like looks off about the characters in that game to me. Um, and I, don't love it, but um, but I'm sure I'll, I'll like the game. The the Walker demo has the ideal body. I don't know what you're talking about. The demo is terrible. Um, the demo is this very is bad. Boring. The demo is very boring, and and there's just there's this thing where it asks you if you know Street Fighter, and then you I said yes, and like I said, like I'm a veteran Street Fighter player, and then for about really what felt like 20 minutes after that, it ex they explained blocking and they start they start out with the stuff as simple as moving forward and moving backwards and blocking and low blocking and stuff like this that is an insane waste of my time like it is so frustrating to make me do that it i i only have a bad experience with the demo because you're making me do that i should not have to sit through that that's so frustrating and I, and also it was just a bad demo in general like you're just fighting a cpu and 
Um, the only characters are yeah. Ryu and Luke. It feels like they were afraid of the the leak going further, right? Because since October, uh, there's been a, a cracked version of the PlayStation demo out with like a couple of characters. So people have been chipping away at this game for months, and I feel like they were real tight with this demo because they're af- they. I, I think they were afraid of like if we put this on PC and we fuck it up, people are just gonna have access to to a lot of characters. They already uh, fucked it up though. Yeah, I know, I know, but they—I think they were afraid of making it work. That's all. It's—it feels like it's like the cat out of the bag kind of thing, where where there already is a cracked version. People have been playing, and and I and it, it drives me crazy that it just so happened they've done three or four betas at this point. The betas, not demos. And when they did betas, it—I think they all kind of ended up being somehow weeks that I was work weekends that I was working. So I, I, I didn't end up getting a chance to play any of the betas. And then people have this cracked version. And, you know, there's other people who have been playing it for that are getting invited to. I mean, the pros are pros, so they're going to be better than me anyway. I'm not saying that, like, this is why I'm not as good as them. But um, it's just really frustrating to me that that there's been so many betas that day one, there's going to be a big difference between people who have, like, you know, went hard on betas and got to play it a lot and that, it just, it just it's just annoying to me like either you do one beta like why are you doing so many betas and like it just frustrating that for some people they'll have a lot more time with the game but whatever i'm sh- i'm sure it'll be good it has a good like launch roster and everything like that yeah, um, whatever 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 yeah um played a lot of stardew valley yes you said you were playing that with your your ltcp yeah, I've been wanting to actually do this for years because I, I also kind of always assumed that Alessa would be into it. Stardew Valley has this um, civilization feeling to it of I have to do one more day. The, the days are about 15 minutes long. So it's a farming sim. Uh, everyone, I think it's impossible for you to know this podcast but not know Stardew Valley. Uh, so it, it is a farming sim. Uh, it is like Harvest Moon. It's got combat where you go through a cave and other dungeons. It's got fishing. Uh, it's got a lot of farming, landscaping, foraging, and uh, relationships uh, where you're bringing people gifts. Uh, you can, uh, as you bring people gifts, you get like uh, like perks. I'm pretty sure of like being friends with certain people as you access to certain areas, and they'll do certain things for you, stuff like that. That's very cool. But it, again, like great carrot in this game where it's just like you always want to do one more day because it's like, oh, tomorrow. Uh, my carrots my are tool, my literal my, carrots. Yeah, my carrots are going to be grown. Uh, the My chicken coop is going to be finished built. My The lumberjack, the, the blacksmith is going to have my new axe. I'm going to be able to cut down these tree stumps and open up this area on my farm. Uh, so it, it's just been like... And, and it's just so friendly. It's, like, really warm and cozy, which is, I think, like, a game that we really needed right now. Just, like, to be in a relaxing environment where, like, things are friendly and also, like, you're you're just out in nature. There's there's good, you know, out in nature as much as you could be playing a, a video game. But, hey, it's on the Switch. We could go out and play it. Uh, but just, like, really nice music. Just, like, really good vibes. I, I love that game. I think it's a great game. Uh, and they've been updating it for years. So it'll be cool to see, and, and all the updates have been free. So it'll be cool to get to some of the new content that's uh, a little bit more uh, deeper into the game. Nice. Is it time for me to 
you ever play it? I did, but I didn't get it far enough. That I, I grew up really liking Harvest Moon, um, but I haven't had a way into getting back into those games. I'm sure that it's the kind of thing where if I... Like, I, I did a couple days of it, but the routine didn't quit, click yet, and also in the beginning... it's Those games obviously don't feel great in the beginning because it's you're on rails. Like, I remember it just being very much about, oh, plant one thing today. Also, you have to go talk to this person and that things felt a little bit more on rails and that I wasn't really getting into the swing of things or, like, controlling. And then once I get into um, having, you know, all the options that I would feel like I'm having a lot more fun. But 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 those games aren't that fun when uh, you're, you're learning the ropes, you know? Maybe you play it with your uh, LTCP. Yeah. So is it time okay. for me... Is time for me to talk about Honkai Honky Star, Star Honky, Honky Star Rail, which is Honkai, Honky is the one curse that I get to say. Yes, is it? You could say Cracker. I could say Cracker too. Honk Honky Star Rail. Um, Honky Star Rail. Okay, so the Genshin people, MiHoYoVerse, or HoYoVerse? Maybe it's just HoYoVerse because it used to be MiHoYo, and then they changed Cracker's it. Cracker is not a curse, to be clear. What? Go on. Cracker isn't actually a curse. We we can all agree on that. I don't know. I'm, well, though. well, I, I'm going to put my foot down and say that I'm offended by the term cracker, hmm. and that is know. that is my stand in the year 2023. Yeah. Um, uh, no, the, the uh, so yeah, Hoyo versus uh, the Genshin people have t- taken their infinite money to take a stab at. So this this company is famous for making first Honkai. Third impact, or they, I mean, they had Honkai second, and there's a original, there's a Honkai before that, but I think their big breakout was probably Honkai third impact, and that is a that was not their big breakout, was it? Well, their big breakout, was their Genshin. big breakout was Genshin, was like was Genshin, yes, Gen- Genshin was. The, I mean, I it, it's like okay, so maybe, maybe like for, so for mobile gamers and for gacha gamers, maybe Honkai third impact was their breakout, but for the general public people know them for Genshin. Sure. And and so Genshin is I I mean by by mobile game standards and by a lot of standards, I think that Genshin is a pretty innovative game. It is a pretty like, innovative game. Yeah, I mean I, I think that it's a game that's easy to like. You know, it's it's got the open world. It reminded people of Zelda. Uh it's got like a fun cast of characters that you're controlling actively. And, and there is something about, like, I unlocked this new character and they have new abilities. And, like, it, because you're actually controlling them versus, like, a turn-based sort of thing, uh, there's a bit of, like, an oomph and, and a real excitement to getting those new characters. So I guess my question would be, uh, with Honkai Star Rail, which is a, a turn-based game and not a fantasy game... Uh, well, it, it is. It, it's like um. It's like space it's like fantasy. Right? It's like it's sci-fi fantasy, fantasy but but it oh, is yeah. very fantastical. It is very magic and yeah. gods and. Okay. Of... So how does it compare though? Like like how's the flavor? I like through the context of like you've played Genshin. Now here's a new game. Uh, what is what is this like? I, I I think that's an interesting question. There's so many different things about it. So firstly. Um, like I, I think I say gotcha and people like, you know, immediately their brains turn off and I, and I understand that and that makes sense. Um, I will, 
just say up front to maybe turn some of your brain back on is that this is a pay to lose gotcha game um i i what i mean by that is that uh there are certain games like arknights or or currently this game too um where the more that you pay like if 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 they were to release broken care first of all there's like no pvp there's nothing to really compare you to other people um and the more that you pay the uh, if they're if like let's say they release a broken character or something or you have access to all the characters that's less creativity that might go in on your end it's also going to like split your resources um so focusing on like characters and that they give you and uh, maybe whatever you get from pulls or whatever is generally more valuable um, because all of the content is very completable with what they give you. Um, one thing, so one thing that I would say is, I, I mean, it, it makes me think about your situation in, in Genshin was that um, you are right to say that Genshin characters uh, are very different, right? Because in Genshin, it's a open world game and you are controlling the characters. But for someone who isn't getting lucky with the gacha or isn't paying money, um, I think it make like the, the, the point of the game is action, movement, um, moving around the world. So for example, I got this character, um, Mona, early on, and her thing is that when she dashes, she becomes a puddle in the ground. And that if she's in puddle form, she can skate acro across the top of the water as a puddle. And that is really cool. Um, but... In, in, inversely, you got like five dupes of Barbara, um, a healer, oh, Barbara. who is Barbara's not out the wild, who is not like that Very exciting. Um, in in, in Genshin, I would say like one of the there like it is a blessing and a curse that that like a character in Genshin. Um, can be very fun and unique and allow you to move around the world in interesting ways or give you like like an insane high jump or the ability to fly or characters that can walk and skate on water or do all these kind of things. But the gotcha is ex is extremely unforgiving. It's very, very low chance to get anyone. And if you don't get lucky, um, then you're not having that. Um, you're, you're not. So, so it, I feel like for people who didn't get lucky like you... I understand bouncing off of Genshin because that's not fun. Like I had more fun with Genshin because I put some money into it and I also got lucky on my first pulls so that I had these characters that were more fun to use and had these more interesting kits and the characters they initially give you, I don't think are that interesting. And the, the world is in your fun is dependent on that. And I think that to uh, Honkai's credit to Honkai Starro's credit is that first of all, the it is kind of open worldier, but it is like a more well. It is it is it's not quite as open world as like Genshin, where you're climbing or doing anything like that. But it is a open world in the sense that there's a lot of teleporting around, backtracking, big open areas, cities, um, towns, and dungeons, and all this kind of stuff. But with a um, a JRPG style, this is a completely turn based JRPG style uh, of game. Um, with that, you're not missing out i think um on that if you don't get a character you're not miss it's not like you're having less fun in in my opinion you know what i mean 
Does it make sense? Like with 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 Hunk with with Genshin, yeah. it really is. If they make this cool ass character that oh they fly, so it completely changes the way that you move around the world. If you get that character, that's awesome for you. If you don't get that character, then well, like you're shit out of luck, and you're not going to experience that. And also the uh, rates are so poor in that game, and there's no p- real pity system. So you, when you hit the first time that it gives you a pity timer. Um, it, it gives you a 50% chance to get that character or a 50% split between all other characters. So there's a good chance that, like, you know, you even invest some money and you don't get that character you're going for and, like, you're not going to have that experience. And this game is, you know, a JRPG, so the fun of it is not about just constantly getting all these characters. Like, the, the fun of it is building teams and synergies and the story and everything like that. Um, and I think that the initial characters that they give you are both interesting from a narrative perspective and interesting from a gameplay perspective and they cover your bases so you you can you can go very far with them um you can do anything with them actually you can like beat end game content with them so that is that is different right a lot of people like to do anything with these types of characters yeah um so (laughs) do do you mean like any do you mean like the like 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 a a fan fan fiction in the fan fiction sense how horny is this game? Um, this game is less horny than Genshin. This game is notably not horny, I would say. Not horny. On a scale of one to five. Um, one. Five being the most. A one? Yeah. Absolute no way. Really? A one? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I don't think that there is even... A one is where I put, like, papers, please. Or, like, the return of... Okay, the a two, game. then. A two, then, because, like, I, I don't know. Like, it, compared to this company's, specifically their past work, I feel like they have toned that down. What about, what about the greater video games? Like, like, just per video, like, video games at large. One to five scale, how horny is this game? I still too. Like I added five. I'm looking at this game. I think you're lying. The the only character that is like slightly, you know, seductive ish is Himiko, and other than that, I feel like the cast is like everyone is. It's 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 so it's futuristic. It's space. You're on a a space. The the setup is that you're on a space station, and that you are on a magic. You also take this magical train around the galaxy solving problems and studying these things called stellarons that are this like seed kind of of destruction that causes an apocalypse in a world if left um uh, uh, to their to its its so own is this like a, a train apocalypse this is a train this is a uh, uh, train to busan without zombies and with anime okay so 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 yeah that's the setup is that uh you you are going from world to world solving their problems and finding this like you know stopping this this chaotic kind of creation this these stellarons that are these like seeds of destruction that are causing apocalypses in each world the first world is the ice world you know so i think i think that i wonder if they're going to end up doing that whole like you go to different biomes but all the i guess all the 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 um uh planets you go to would be like a different biome the first planet that i've done i just kind of finished the story of the first planet and it was i think very impressive it was this is so so one thing that i'm really enjoying about it is that i think that they i think that genshin is written fairly well and had some really good stories and that's kind of what kept me in there is especially when genshin did um slower character narratives because genshin had this thing where um you could like talk to the characters and see their individual story and it would be like 
sometimes, especially for the characters that are kind of gods, it would be really interesting to see their the the history behind them and maybe like what makes them tick or maybe what they were when they were maybe mortal or or you know what 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 led up to what what they're doing now. Um, and I think that they have gotten even better with the writing. I think they were already good, and this is just a f- extremely well localized game, very well written dialogue, very good translated, very um like you know it, they throw it like uh pre- very present day like throw in some meme kind of stuff not not too memey but but a little bit like you know like a lot of like uh uh joke and write jokes in the writing and it's it's very it's usually pretty clever and the, the first story that they tell um and on the first planet i think was was really good it must have taken me around maybe eight hours or so to do the whole thing but i mean i was i was jumping back and forth a lot and like doing a lot of side quest stuff because there is a insane amount of content like a a truly insane amount of content and as for like you know the different modes that kind of appear in gotchas like this one's got them in spades it's got its roguelike mode it's got its um weekly mode it's got a like push your luck mode kind of thing it's got like dungeons and all this kind of stuff so so no shortage of kind of things to do um written extremely well and i think that that's been for me that's been the uh the important thing in, in like when I play a gotcha, if I'm going to, if I want to stick with it or if, if I'm interested, if they're telling these good stories, because with Genshin, I think I, I would imagine most people that are reasonable that stuck with that game. It was the narrative, right? That makes sense because that's like the ultimate carrot on the stick for that is that they get you invested in this world and the characters and the stories. And then they do like a big content drop that is another, you know, five to 10 hours of more story in the world and maybe you know and they do new new biomes new areas new new parts of the world and they keep making the game bigger and um just how good this company is and how with handling these kind of things it it is very promising right to start from um uh just how good the framework is i think for the story and how well it's being translated and localized it's all um voice acted another thing that that uh this is kind of like in a lot of, I've been waiting for Honkai Star Rail for a while, and I think in a lot of ways it's um, kind of ticking every single box that I've been. I've never seen this happen in the same way that like I like fighting games, and that fighting games never manage to just do all the things that I want. They never, no fighting game can have good net code, good training in mission modes, um, like you know, a diverse roster, uh, be balanced. Like can, they just can't do all these kind of things. Look good, you know, have like aesthetically interesting characters and everything like that and they just don't do like fighting games just like fail to just get it all at once you know and it's the same for gotchas of like every gotcha has like these different individual problems and like they start to get some things right they start to get some things wrong and this game is like the first that i've played um maybe ever that is that is kind of nailing it on all ends i think one thing that i've been getting increasingly sick of with gotchas because even Nikkei that does a good job uh, with that does like a you know surprisingly good job with its story um, doesn't do is that most gotchas still have uh, kind of like talking head characters um, so like when you're playing the gotcha it's it's like a you know the cutout the um, the the two D artwork of the character um, just kind of on screen and then there's dialogue for them and there's no explanation of kind of anything else going on there's no um there's nothing visually happening the characters aren't doing anything and this is a fully you know 3d game um everything is uh voice acted and all of the major moments are happening in big 
cutscenes and might be like action action based, interesting and fun cutscenes that keep you invested rather than just two talking heads, two, just like a dialogue box at the bottom of the screen. And I have been waiting for a game to that does that that combines all these other things. Um, to get down to, I, I haven't even really talked about like what makes it um, interesting. I think that they kind of did that uh, Blizzard approach, not not um you know like current era Blizzard, but that older Blizzard approach where they just took turn based gotchas and then threw infinite money at it. Um, so in a lot of ways, it's not necessarily doing anything that I think would like shock you or you've never seen anywhere else mechanically, but that they're doing it so well and so polished and that's what makes it so good. Um, the, some of the main core mechanic of it, I, I, I would say is that as far as turn-based strategy goes, I kind of put its difficulty sometimes compared to persona. Um, okay. I mean, which, persona is a pretty easy game. Uh, yeah. Well, per, maybe like persona four, not, not five. I, I think the persona persona three, I think was pretty difficult. Um, and, for like those games are a little bit more punishing persona 5 is much easier they for whatever reason they tuned down the difficulty to the point where you could kind of complete a um dungeon in one night and then get up to the boss I'm, i'm not necessarily talking about that but the older personas where you really have to micromanage everything against trash mobs because things can go pretty wrong um there's these like um higher level enemies that are guarding like treasure chests in every area and the fights with those I think have found like really particularly good because they're they seem to be tuned in such a way where you really have to do them a couple times and restructure your team and figure out the strategy to beating them because it can go wrong really quickly. And I just I, I, I just don't know how else to say that the difficulty tuning is like for me is like pretty perfect. It's 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 not a it, it is at the level where even though there's an autoplay kind of feature, the, the autoplay isn't smart enough to tackle the hard fights or the bosses. Um, usually the bosses can be... Some of the harder fights, the overleveled enemies or the bosses can be too mechanically challenging for the AI that just kind of wants to go off of a general game plan. Um, and that like you, you, you want to be more nuanced with your approach to everything. Um, so to get into some of like the mechanically, what makes it different, um, characters have a basic attack, a skill and an ultimate, um, your team shares a certain amount of like energy to cast the skills, right? So doing a basic attack gives you one energy to cast a skill. You, you're on board. Like you're always one energy right no matter always, what it's always I, one energy well well i think for they, now they, think. for for now unless i'm missing something because there are characters that do that change the economy of this so for example there's a character um in the game that i don't have yet um but he and he's a not even a rare character he's like a four-star character and his thing is that his skill hurts him for 15 percent of his health but doesn't require any of the of this like you know uh skill points so your economy is better because of putting him in because normally like you're kind of struggling like especially in a hard fight like you, you know you're you, for your healer to heal they they have to use these like you know the skill the skill point kind of stuff that you're building up during the fight by doing basic attacks which means that you you kind of never want to be doing the basic attacks but you're forced into doing them because you have to so you're having to time 
all of this around the boss's mechanics. Like, like you know, if you, if you think the boss is, if, you, if you're aware that the boss is, like, charging up for a big attack, you obviously need to, like, you know, basic attack a lot to get up your, your uh, like, mana, kind of, to be able to use your healer's heal to be able to use your burst, your DPS's, like, burst or shield or use your tank shield or something like that um, and not be kind of caught off guard because if you start kind of just using the abilities, then you you run out of that the ability kind of points and then now you're just, like, auto-attacking to get the ability points up again. Um, so, so that's one of the mechanics is you have this shared pool that all the characters, it's a four-person team, and whenever they auto attack, they build one point. Whenever they use their skill, they lose one point. You can have up to five at a time. Um, the other big kind of mechanic about it is that there is this like um, weakness break. Um, the enemies have usually, and uh, this is similar to like what I just said before about Mage Seeker. The enemies don't have. There's not a um, typical gotcha um, red, you know, fire beats uh, uh, grass kind of thing. Instead, enemies are just weak to certain elements. And while they have this, like, almost a stagger bar, and while they have the, this, the, the stagger bar, they, they take less damage and, like, have higher resistance on stuff like um, crowd control, like freezing or stunning and stuff like that, or slowing. slowing. And then if you hit them enough with this, uh, with whatever elements that they're weak to, you can stagger them and it, like, breaks their, their guard, they lose a turn, and they take extra damage. So a lot of this game is trying to diversify, you know, which characters you're bringing in, which, uh, uh, like, of their, the breaks that they have, which, um, you know, like, elemental affinities they have that they can be able to break down the enemy's stagger bar because they're, they're, they're so hard to kill without breaking down the stagger bar. Okay. Yeah. Um, I so... mean, it, it seems like it has some neat interactions. I've heard, I've heard people say that uh, it feels simple, for one of these games, do you, do you feel that way also? I I, th I agree. I, th I I don't think that it's like, is like sim I, and is simple a detriment or is it good? I think it's good. Um, I I I hope that I I, I kind of like I, I am liking this game so much. Um, it it's like almost by the numbers. I I, I think like that uh, gotchas are again very um, iterative. So to see yes, someone yeah. finally doing everything right and putting in the money and making these like this big budget gotcha game that follows kind of what I want um, uh, from a gotcha the way that I want it. Um, I think there's, there's something valuable to me about turn-based strategy in gotcha. And I think, and I've thought about the reason why, and I think the reason why is that um, time stops and it's all about that character, right? So so if the character has like you know an interesting kit and and I, that is something that I maybe also haven't mentioned yet is that uh, one element I really like in gotchas that I've mentioned before about for example like Dislight does this very very well in my opinion is very short ability text um, that conveys what the character does. So like one of my favorite characters in the game, uh, her burst ability that like you, this thing that you're like your big ability that's using um the ability stuff that you're building up is that she makes one of her allies atta attack right after her right now like she just like boosts them in the it has a um uh final fantasy 10 style turn order and she um bumps them up so that they go next and have 20 percent attack that's it like there's nothing that crazy about that ability but you you read that and you 
instantly know kind of what this character is doing. This is like a support character that is pushing people further up in the turn order. This is a character you you un- instantly understand like, okay, I'm going to pair that with a really hard hitting DPS, a really hard like single target DPS kind of character and have her be this like, you know, constantly pumping the DPS to go up further in the turn and do more damage and um, I just really like that the, the kits are make a lot of sense. The animations from them are amazing, and they make a lot of sense from a like character aesthetic and narrative standpoint, like what the characters are doing. And I really like that because gotchas have definitely gotten, I think, out of control at some points with character kits that don't really have any flavor because they're so overloaded with weird mechanics, and it's like you make your character go, you know, X amount faster and give the enemy this type of disable. And then after that, and two turns, they get a, like all these kind of things that it's like, I, I can't read that and understand that there's anything interesting going on with that character. Then you take a character like this character in this game, Welt, where um, he just like, he applies slows to enemies. And if he hits an enemy with his burst skill that has slowed, he does an extra amount of damage. To them so yeah. you instantly see that character and you're like okay i would pair him with characters that do slow mechanics and yeah, cool. his whole thing is sl- slowing down characters yeah, and getting I mean, a lot of these games are samey but you know those kind of mechanics do remind me of like an epic seven but uh, again I'm yes sure epic Se- i mean epic seven is the right i maybe maybe i come from epic seven so that's why i want these kind of things but yes it is like sure. these kits where you look at them and you're exactly no the character makes sense like in your mind like how the synergy of the kit the synergy of yeah. what kind of teams you would build with them and i think that that this game just does that in spades it does a really really so, good job so what kind of phone do you have and how's it running for you that's a good question i have a 14 uh max and an it, iphone yeah Okay, so so this is that that is such a thank you for reminding me of that. That I have an iPhone 14 Max. Um, so one of the big things that I think is very I, I I have a very new phone. So maybe some of this is, you know, is a 14. That's a new like when I think 14, I think 2014. But it's it's fact, this is the newest. Ooh, this is the newest one. I just recently got this. Call it like the twenty three. They should just call it the year that it's. Been. Yeah, they should call it like the twenty, the iPhone twenty three or something like that, right? You're not yeah. wrong. I don't think you're wrong. Um, so so I have the newest iPhone. So maybe some of the things that I'm about to say are not true. But by, by the way, um, this game is on mobile and PC client and Epic Games, I believe. Uh, there's a yeah. P, there's a standalone PC client for it, and it's also on Epic Games. So if if you if you're someone who like you know if your the phone really doesn't work or whatever, if you don't have a phone. You know, as Blizzard say. But um, uh, so uh, I have a new phone, so maybe some of these things are unfair. There is a huge amount of settings that you can play with. So maybe for phones that are older, you could turn things down for it not to work. Um, I am firstly impressed by this game's incredibly, incredibly short loading times. I think that's really, really important for a phone game. There's almost no downtime to anything. Um, you can, like, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, this game has like a lot of like backtracking and side quests and stuff like that, so you can teleport anywhere. And I would say it takes around a second and a half for my phone to load. The screen pops up for like a second, and then I'm there in the next area. Um, so everything, the the menus and everything is optimized incredibly. And I think I, this is worth talking about because another newer game like like Nikkei actually has really long load times in between menus. Um, if you're changing the area or changing the mode you're in, there's usually like 
sometimes like a 15 second load time and these kind of things like this builds up especially in a, as a phone game is like you're doing something else sometimes or you just like don't want to be bothered by those kind of things so um honkai star rail being so well optimized i think is like a huge uh plus for this game um even genshin i remember just like it ran a lot slower and had some like long load times to, and like a lot of pop in and everything and this game just doesn't have any of that um extremely well optimized the menus are super smooth everything is really smooth i have not had a problem at all with anything you teleporting around or anything like that but i will say that this phone makes my this game turns my phone into an oven it is like it actually kind of scares me because i feel like i'm i could melt things with this phone i feel like i i feel like i could melt insides of the phone with this game with like how hot it can sometimes run I, I maybe I just need to start turning things like way down, but because uh, I have the game on very high settings running at 120 frames, um, uh, and it looks perfect, and it really never has any hitches. But like, wow! In like, because for some of these big animations, the phone just like I feel the top of the phone, and I, I am disturbed by how hot it feels like I crack an egg and cook on this on on the phone, and I I I don't know. Wow. Um, yeah, like I, I, I can't say how an older phone might handle this game. Um, I, like I said that there is a lot, a, a ton. Do you have these settings cranked? I have the settings cranked to, okay. to, there, there's a lot of lot. There's a lot, a lot of settings. So I'm sure you could turn it. There's 30, 60 and 120 frames. I have it on 120. I have it on very high. I have it on like everything all the way up and it looks gorgeous. It is like. It's, it looks better than Genshin, which I think is a good-looking game. It's like, I think it's a little bit clearer than Genshin. I think Genshin can sometimes look a little bit muddier, even turned all the way up. But it's like, it's an extremely clear game. It's very, um, it, it just, it looks very sharp. And the worlds and the aesthetic of everything is very interesting. I think that there's a little something for everybody, you know, like Donkey-wise, where, where you, you the main hub that you're in is this super sci-fi space station and you're you're on this um train that is going around the galaxy and yet the first place you stop in is a um very fantasy based knights and armor um and mages kind of world that is kind of um technologically extremely um uh you know earlier than the people of the main cast who look like aliens compared to them so uh like i i am liking the the aesthetic differences and it just it look looks gorgeous um is there anything else like i like i've talked a lot about it um it is very different um i don't know if there's anything else uh that you if you have any other questions uh, about it no i think i get it I, I don't think that it's for me i think that uh my my mobile game will just be snap you know that's fair i think you i i think the way i would talk about this game is that um uh, to someone who maybe has heard this whole thing is like, well, first of all, it's free, right? So there's nothing, there's no, there's no barrier to entry. You just do it if you want. Um, but I, in the same breath, I would say it is both like the most promising gotcha game I've ever played. I think that there is like, I am really excited about it. I have been playing it like super nonstop. I love the story. It, it, plays very much like a triple a jrpg like the the story and the writing there's no expense spared it does not feel like a it does not feel like a gotcha in that sense but even having said all that um 
like I could t- say that this is one of the best scotches. I mean, like I, I, I would stand by that, and I would still say like it. I, I, I don't have to recommend that to everybody. And if there's people who are like, hey, gotchas aren't super not my jam, then I would, um, I, I completely understand that. I, it's not a thing that I would be like, I would recommend to everybody. Um, and also it's you know it's a turn-based RPG, so yeah, yeah so yeah. you know, so like it's that it, it, it's 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 one of those. So if you, want, it, you want to talk about some other games? Sure, I got you some more Marvel games. You want, you want to talk about Marvel Snap? You talk do you got other games that aren't? Marvel oh my Snap. god, I'm doing so bad this season. I don't know what's I'm happening. It. I'm killing it. I'm I I'm am doing so bad. It. I mean, you know, you know that uh, I'm a, a Marvel Snap guy. I consume a lot of Marvel Snap content. So I started the season off hot uh, with the best decks, uh, including a deck that got someone at infinite. And I think two hours they pushed to infinite. But you and I both know that if someone is getting to infinite in two hours, uh, they are fighting bot, a lot of bots. Yeah. And there are still a lot of bots on the ladder, but uh, it's the new season for Marvel Snap. It is a Guardians of the Galaxy season because we got that new Guardians movie coming out. I'm so excited about that Guardians movie. I love the Guardians movies. I think they've all been great. I didn't watch the holiday special. Or wow, you missed out. Watch it. Good? You liked it? It was very good. It? Yeah, it's very good. I'll, watch it. I'll check it out. It's also short. It's a uh, thirty to forty-five minutes or so. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it's not a it's not feature length, but um. So they they did release a new card that I think everyone, uh, is sort of aware of the fact that this card is very powerful. Um, I don't think it's going to be as powerful as some of the most ridiculous season pass cards. Um, so to explain it in a way that non-Marvel Snap players can understand, uh, this is a card that is it's a one-drop, so it could be played very early. Uh, it's very easy to counter this card. But if you don't have a counter to this card in your deck, uh, it can become a little outrageous. For what it costs you so people are not feeling so hot like you know people are like it's fine but it's kind of not fine and everyone is kind of like if this card gets nerfed we'll understand yeah seems to be the general consensus around the new card which is nebula uh from guardians of the galaxy yeah balance wise it, it's it's a really weird choice I, I i i stand by second dinner more than i think a lot of people and their choices and i do think that they're very uh, good at balancing their game whether or not you know like i don't think that balance changes admit that they're wrong like that's just the nature of things and i think that usually they have good reasons for doing things but that said okay so the way that this card functions is that it's a one one that gets plus two power every time the enemy doesn't play to this location so um to remind people maybe who don't know marvel snap it's six rounds and there's four slots in in each location for a card um, sometimes there's one slot or less or something can happen that locks the location down. But usually, traditionally, there's there's four cards that can be in one location at a time, and there's three locations. But what Nebula does is if that card is played on turn one, um, it doesn't get any value on the first turn. Then the turn afterwards, the enemy has to play to it to stop it from getting plus two. And even if it procs one time, even if this goes off one time a game, that would make it one three, right? So that would be at a... The, the vanilla stat line for a one-cost card is 1-2, one, and the um, high value, like the um, powerful stat line, is like, you know, there's a 1-7, but has a very bad detrimental effect 
there's um, a 1-5, there's, uh, with a detrimental effect, there's a 1-3 that has a situationally uncontrollable detrimental effect. So even if this card that requires no other synergies gets off its ability one turn, then it's a 1-3, which would already be high value. Um, but like I said, there's only four slots. So so let's say the opponent really wanted to, like really, you know, monkey brain just tried to play into the Nebula lane as much as possible, then in most cases that would mean that on Nebula gets played on turn one, if she gets played on turn one, um, ne- then on turn two, someone puts a card in there. On turn three, someone puts a card in there. On turn four, someone puts a card in there. On turn five, someone puts a card in there. And now the lane is full, and maybe they haven't put a card anywhere else. It seems like they're 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 having to use all their resources to stop this card from getting out of control. And now on turn six, the feasibly, unless something has moved, the location is full. So she becomes a one three, which is still a higher statted more value card but but like her power obviously is not in becoming a one three it's the mental strain she puts on the game because she's forcing you to like make that choice to either it's it's a low investment high reward where the enemy played it for her for one and if you don't react to it then she can become game winningly big right and the enemy doesn't have to synergize or do anything about it. They're just like letting her do her thing in a lane and they could be playing to another lane while Nebula is getting big. Right. So it creates all these, like it, it creates like a lot of pressure on the opponent to like figure out a way to react to her. That is like, you yeah, know, maybe could, unfair for one zero. She could start out with zero power or she could give one like, like ultimately we don't have to get too much into the minutia, but it is this weird thing of like, she's a little overtuned. Power- really going to create a new deck right like it's like it's bolstering some decks that already exist decks that lock people out of playing cards to locations and it's making those decks better and and that's fine that that's a thing that should happen but the problem is uh this is not the kind of card that we want to be uh played outside of those decks because this is a card that's just seeing play broadly um that's not really great it's a little bit too easy to slot into anything because it it doesn't require any synergy at all. And I think that that's usually like a big problem. It's like almost what we see with um, Sunspot and why Sunspot was so ubiqui- ubiquitous or Lizard, something like that. Like there's cards in Snap that like kind of don't need a synergy. No matter what deck you're playing, like a one drop that just gets bigger and gets you value from not... Um, like Sunspot is a 1-0 now where whenever you have unspent mana it goes into one into sunspot so he's you know as big as you want him to be by not playing and any deck might you know miss like misdraw or something and not be able to use all the mana turn and just getting value from it especially when he was a one one was like if he procs if you if you don't spend one mana on one turn he's a one two which is good value which is a traditional value and then if it, and then if it's two mana one uh, uh, throughout the entire game you already make him a one three so he always had value he always like could go above being that and then so then it like is just like you know there's no center there's no you, you don't have to do a build around this character like nebula can kind of go off and create yeah. problems um without having any sort of deck built around her yep uh, I'm excited for the cards later this season, though. But this one is a uh, I think high she's a evolutionary. Neat card also, everyone is talking that card up, and it's like, yeah, yeah, high evolution. I'm worried that 
this card originally was not going to be like a permanent series five card. I, I thought like this card is not going to be a prestige card, but I feel like the more that people keep talking about it, second dinner is going to be like, you know, maybe we should just have it be a, a series five card forever. Mm-hmm. I could see them doing that. And then we're going to have that and living tribunal as both perma series five. I'm most excited for Iron Lad. I think well, we haven't be... heard that that's necessarily true or not. I mean, it's it's speculated, and 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 I think that Living Tribunal and High Evolutionary do kind of fit. I think that the Permanent Series Five Big Bad um, thing makes uh mo- the most sense to me when it is a deck creation on its. It is a piece of a Exodia like kind of thing where it makes its own deck. Obviously, like the two big bads that we have right in na- three big bads. Um, I forget Kang's in the game because he's so t- tremendously bad. Um, is uh, Thanos and uh, uh, Galactus, of course, and both of those create decks that are completely not available outside of those characters. Um, they're they are like completely yeah. doing the, their own thing. Yeah, and so, so and so is like you know High Evolutionary and Living Tribunal. I agree, but I don't want I don't want High Evolution. I want cards to come down series. I mean, yeah. I'm getting Iron. That's all I know. Drew Barry had a, you know, a, one of the many, this is a, a, a very not hot, this is a very cold take here, um, that the, the problem with the Marvel Snap economy and had a, had a, a long video about, you know, his, his problems with the Marvel Snap economy and that, it, again, this is a cold take, I'm not mentioning something new, but one of the, we're going to start to see like more problems and some of the things he mentioned is like outside of the token things or whatever, I think one of the huge problems we're going to deal with soon that I don't know when they're going to remedy is the bloat in pool three. Uh, because now we just, we, we, there, there's pool one that everyone gets through very quickly. There's pool two that everyone gets through fairly quickly. And then you go to pool three and pool three is when the game opens up and becomes, you know, more they, of a game. That, that pool three is the best part of the game. It is the best part of the game, but then there's this is the best part of the game. It is. It's the best part of the game, but but and and I also don't like the idea of one thing I really like about like so Honkai has you know no um, PvP or or really way to compare yourself with anyone is that I like games that I like these like games where you don't have to rush to something and I I, I you know it's not the same because Marvel Snap is only PvP but but um, when you're going through Pool Three for the first time as much as it can be, I think it can be frustrating for certain players thinking like, well, I don't have death, you know, and that sucks. Like I, like I'm getting beaten with death wave or something. And that's not fair because I don't have those cards. Um, and I understand that feeling, but at the same time, when I was going through it, it's like kind of like a stop and smell the roses kind of thing where you, you can make your enjoyment. This is fun. Yeah. Like it's like your enjoyment about pool, the pool three experience should be, you get a new card and then you build around it. And that hopefully the other people that you're playing with also don't have complete decks yet or don't have complete collection lists. So they are trying to figure out how to build their decks around what they're getting. And whenever you get a new card, you're like, well, how can I make a deck around this? And that, that is very interesting. But what yeah, the, so the, every, the cards are that all cards that come out go into series five, which is the rarest. Um, and then the ones that aren't the big bads like Thanos and Galactus get down, uh, get uh, series like dropped from five to four and then from four to three. And then now uh, three is not dropping down to two. It seems like two for the most part has been stagnant since the game launched. So the three pool is like massive and getting bigger and bigger, which is really weird. 
because there are target cards that you kind of want to get at some point. And the idea of like imagining someone's collection, the last card that they're getting is like death or something like that is pretty frustrating. And having controls in place to stop that from happening, right? Like you get a free card every month. Yeah. So you just choose the They card did you remove want. buying series three cards from the shop though, which is kind of weird. But it's the same thing because it used to be that you would get a thousand collector's tokens a month. And now instead of getting a thousand collector's tokens a month, you're getting more. You're getting way more. You're getting 6,000 collector's tokens a month. And on top of that, you're getting a free card. So you're getting the same amount of access to cards as you did before, but now you're getting enough tokens to also dip into series three and five, four and five. So I don't actually think that's a problem. The part of it that I think is weird is that because of the way the new system is set up, uh, you're going to have a lot of players at collection level like 800 and 900 who have all decided that they need to buy Thanos because Thanos is a card that's not dropping down series. So because of the way that they've structured these like big bads, uh, you're creating a situation in which it feels bad to buy a series five card that's not dropping down. And because of that, it's going to cause an influx of players who are mid-series three, to all have Thanos and to all have Galactus, which is fine, but I think that it removes like some of the luster, some of the interesting like facets about those cards, which is that they should be rare. And that's what I think is the problem on it. Well, in general, I think that the, the, there's another, I mean, there's the other problem that is like you, the token shop isn't fun, and we've talked about this before. It's not... I don't think I've ever had an excitement buying a card the way that I would when I was playing through Series 3 and just randomly get, you know, a, a Series 3 card I'm excited about or or series, or series get a Series 4 card I'm excited about. So um, I don't think that the token shop is necessarily enjoyable or fun because I, I just don't think that is the way that people want to collect things. And, yeah, like forcing, making people go for those two cards first does make it so that like you just get to a point where everyone has rather than it being like a rare thing or something is like everyone has them um because why yeah. would you buy because it does like you know it is a detriment for you to buy a card that's going to get da eventually downgraded from four to maybe even three and then it become when it's three you're just going to get it quickly in in collection levels um so, so yeah, like that is that is a weird thing in general. Um, I could see it being cool if they drop cards, um, specifically Sarah and Mystique. Uh, down. I think Patriot has to be like lower. I could see like some of these cards. Like I, I almost like I, I keep mentioning Death is like I think there's certain cards that like feel bad to not have because there's times where you you kind of need them, um, and there's times where there's there's so many locations that play around Death and destroy as a mechanic like really wants death it, it, you don't always play death but like that is you as know as soon as you give people death they're gonna want no oh you think it's like it's a give a mouse a cookie situation if you give yeah. a, a player a death yeah, they're gonna want a null. you gotta give you don't give them things like patriot you give them things like uh mystique that goes in a lot of decks and sarah that goes in a lot of decks that is a good idea and i stand and by i stand it. by it <laughs> 
Um, I, and then I think, I mean, well, the, the bigger problem that we haven't mentioned that is the most depressing thing, and you, there's no way to say anything about this. It's like one of the nastiest things you can say, and it's such a knee-jerk thing that I see people saying, and I can't even argue with it, is that whenever Marvel Snap, whenever Second Dinner comes out with these these nice trailers for the new season, they, uh, they're they like, here's these new exciting cards that are coming out, and then you look at the comments, and all the comments are like, oh, I can't wait to play with this card in three months. And that is the, one of the weird... It is weird. It is so true that it is bizarre that... Is it true? Because I'm going to get to buy all the cards this month. Well, I'm going to get to buy all the cards this month. I don't know if that like that's a thing that... like I do invest, right? I, I do spend real money. And maybe also... Did you maybe, buy the $100 bundle they just released? Absolutely not. Um, I do have 20,000 tokens, though. So I'm, I'm good. I don't really need the $100 bundle. But... Uh, you say absolutely not. Like you don't spend a hundred dollars in freedom. Well, the value of it is bad. It just feels bad. Um, value of it is technically the value of this is the best value we've ever gotten. On, yeah, but uh, it, it, it's uh, uh, you know uh, the the big thing of it is like I if if there was more credits in there or something more fun that I could like you know I like upgrading cards. I like that credits are something I do value a lot in the big packages. And just having ten thousand tokens when I already have twenty thousand tokens is like i don't you're only gonna get three cards this month out of five huh. what are you gonna choose so wait, that you're is... gonna tell me you're not getting iron lad i can't believe you would do that to me uh yeah i probably won't get iron lad actually i probably will just get because i want high evolutionary i'll and... tell you all about it yeah i've been saving i'm gonna get high evolutionary howard and i'm gonna get the um iron lad the iron lad the iron lad i have enough for all of them um living tribunal they changed him from a 6-4 to a 6-6, which I think makes him worse because I only wanted to play him in negative. Oh, yeah. He would have been good in negative, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I just think I, did, I do think it's really weird the way that uh, maybe that's the plan is that when people stay at that high level, they snowball a little bit where where it, once you're at the high level, you're collecting tokens quicker. And then if you miss a drop or two, then you can get, you know, your... Yeah, you don't buy Stegron, you don't buy Snowguard. Yeah, you don't buy St Snowguard, and then you, you have enough, to, you know, for the next thing, and it's like, you know, it's not so bad. But the value of it is, is you know, like, the economy of it is does feel kind of bad. Like, you, you it's it, it kind of sucks to explain that, like, 10,000 tokens... specifically is what feels bad. $100 for 10,000 tokens is a series five and a half like a series five and like a series three or so card and that's pretty insane to say that like oh that for a hundred dollars you can get a card yep that's like like they have really the second dinner really has managed to normalize some really weird uh conversion ratios you know of like the, yeah. like you can you like yesterday what? is that second dinner doesn't uh deal with the monetization that's like dealt by their publisher and Second dinner employees don't get any of it for free. So yesterday, the bundle came out, and I'm watching Ben Broad on the stream, and he's like, oh, man, I got to buy this bundle. And then, like, the streamer he's with is like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, we don't get any of it for free, because if we got it for free, then we wouldn't be able to comment on the monetization of the game. Like, people wouldn't understand it. So no second dinner employee gets anything in the game for free. So what are they doing out here? Because they they don't think. I don't know. Ben Brode is a is a fucking millionaire. Of course he. Yeah, he's a whale. 
So the second dinner is out here wailing, and they're like, and they're like, oh, I gotta immediately snatch up this hundred dollar bundle that seems insane to anyone who's outside of this game. I mean, I might buy it. I wish that there five hundred credits is. It, it feels like a slap in the face. Actually, it it's almost feels so funny. It is sometimes, so funny. sometimes they make these 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 bundles that feel like it's. It's per. It's, it almost feels like they're just like eat it, you pig. Like it's someone just like <laughs> throwing food. Or, or, like like it's like oh, you want cake? I'm gonna put it on the ground. I'm gonna put it on the ground. Eat it off the ground, you fucking freak. Like the way that the uh, if it was a hundred dollars for ten thousand token tokens and uh, you know whatever two hundred collector uh, boosters and then a collector skin, that's one thing. Because then people would just talk about the value of the tokens and then if you really are horny for the collector then there you go right and and if you're and if you're trying to get a big series five bad big bad card like i don't know that's your option right if this is what you want and this is the game that you want to spend the money on then like it's america go for it but the fact that they like throw in like you know these really piddly amounts that 500 credits is enough to upgrade like one card like one infinite card is like uh, for a hundred dollars i mean like i would think about it like what are the what is the value of credits like why can't that pack include like five thousand credits because then maybe i would be like okay like i could kind of almost see it then because then i could just like upgrade cards a lot and like i because i like doing that i like going for upgrading my skins and maybe going for like the the, the really rare splits but just giving me like 500 credits is really weird and it really just seemed like a purposefully backhanded thing of like it's a funny amount. To me, it's a really, really funny amount. It should it should have been like 50. It is or, funny. It's actually funny. It should have been like 50 or something like that, where it's like, why did you include it? Like, it's such a bizarrely small amount. Or make it a high amount, but make it like a bad amount. Like uh, 6,010. I feel like there's a lot of like, like the, the monetization is so insane that I think one of the most valuable resources that Marvel Snap streamers and pundits alike give people is that they break down the bundles and they're like yeah this bundle makes no goddamn sense don't buy this or like this or like wow the value is so good because I, whoever second dinner like they if, if it's part of their job to not get the bundles for free and then to experience what it's like to be in their the monetization process and have to figure out what bundles they want to spend on and what is a good value. And if they're frustrated or not, like they are dropping the ball. I'm sure that, that, um, they, I, I can't imagine that like, maybe they aren't happy with it, but they can't speak yeah. to them because it's the publisher. I, I don't know the situation. I think I've told you this story before, but I don't know if I've told the podcast. So my CEO is from Pittsburgh where I now live. And when I was looking at homes and I was considering the city, he said, you should, you should look at shady side. You should move to shady side. And I looked in shady side and the homes there start at like $700,000, like and up, obviously end up. So I thought to myself, like, you know how much money I make. You're like, you're involved in how much money I make. And you're telling me that I should buy this house that I can't afford. And I'm thinking about like second dinner and like Ben is fighting one of the QA testers and he's like, oh, you don't have the collector skin. And it's like, no, Ben, I don't have the collector. Yeah, Ben, skin. like I, I can't afford it. Listen, I had to eat like I, like that's groceries for the week. This this I mean, 10,000. What, what I also learned is the only thing Ben Brode eats is um, grilled cheese. Disgusting. He has a very specific method of making grilled cheese. Uh, I think Brent, Ben Brode is 
going to die because of that. Ben Brode is great, though. He he's is, fantastic. Like, so, he's so charismatic. Uh, he loves this game. Like, he was put on this earth to sell card games. Yes. Right? No one does it better. No one is more enthusiastic. When when he was uh, on the stream yesterday with Biggs, every time that the game started, he'd be like, you have to say hello to them. You have to fist bump them. <laughs> and he, like, yeah. just made them interact with all the, with all the emotes. Because, like, that's... Like, like, Ben's idea of what is fun in this game is so outside of the rest of the community who are, like, sweating really hard to, like, get to infinite and who, like, think that everybody is out to get them. And he's just like, nah, I just say hello. I snap people when I've got nothing but rocks in my hand. He's just, like, having a great time. Oh, and he also said, and, and I thought that this was interesting uh, because we were talking a little bit about... um the collection level and card acquisition. And there, this discussion came up about people thinking the matchmaking is rigged. And Ben Brode said, the one thing that we wanted to do with the matchmaking system is we wanted to make it so that people could never pair into somebody who had two cards in their deck that hadn't been seen by the player before. We always want them to only see one new card Per game, because we feel like a lot of the frustration comes from people just seeing something that is so outside the scope of what they have. Okay, so that, that, that's more of a and, series three argument, right? And then he said, and we couldn't nail it. So if we can't make that work, I don't know what makes people think we could create this really elaborate matchmaking situation where people are getting like paired up with their counters based on who needs wins and who needs losses. Yeah, it I was, think it's it was really well stated. I mean, I I I I have th thought about that before, but I've also thought about the fact that like this is the most data mined game I've played in a long time. We we are aware of if you go on Snap Fan or whatever, like you can find unreleased art. You can find we we know um, multiple months in advance of what the cards will be and what the series what the um the uh, uh, season card will season pass card will be. We know the art for it. The we, bundles. We know, you know bundles in advance. Sure. Like yeah. like whenever you know, whenever like a big monthly patch comes out, like people will break down all the bundles, all the value of everything. So the idea of this like incredibly data mined card game having secret Illuminati um, matchmaking that forces a force fifty or like puts you in a loser's queue or the idea of locations popping up that purposely counter your deck i will again say is like the most hilarious copium to losing it it's yeah. it's so funny to me to think that like there's just such an element that there that, that like ben brode is really sitting there with his fingers are tinted like some mafioso that is thinking oh so they're playing like the uh, uh uh this person is playing um uh uh you know bounce deck haha <laughs> well we're gonna put them with another sandman deck now <laughs> and like the the location is gonna be sanctum sanctorum so they can't even play and like you know like laughing you know like like oh these are all bad things for the for the person like that's hilarious for me to think that like that much work would go into making you miserable yeah it's interesting the ghost it's all interesting uh, any uh any other thoughts on video games? I don't know if you saw that uh, Tears of the Kingdom uh, leaked 
maybe not so interesting for us, but people do have copies. They have been playing it. I'm not going to talk about any spoilers because I, outside of some of the trailers, I haven't looked up anything. Uh, but it is interesting to hear uh, that without the day one patch, uh, the game performs about as well or just under the first game. But so far, people haven't run into areas that are as bad as uh, Kokiri Forest, where he got the um, the Master Sword, which was uh, such a letdown in the first game because it's one of those moments that was like, it, it was supposed to be like the coolest moment in the game, but it was kind of mired by performance issues. Yeah. However, uh, the emulated version of the game right now is running really, really well. Hmm. So if you ever want to play it on your Steam Deck, uh, y'all get a steady 30 FPS with no drops. Wow, they can't pump it up more than that? They can't, go they to 60? can't because the frame rate is tied uh, to the engine. Okay, uh, yeah, some games that, do that. So that if you were to play at 60, the game would go double speed. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for that game. That's I'm excited in, for that that's game. That's in a week. So excited. Uh, I'm playing After Image, which is a game I've been excited about for a long time. It's a, it's a hand-drawn... Um, side-scrolling Metroidvania, another one of these. I've been playing a couple of these Metroidvanias because I just finished Ender Lily, so I, I was I was inter- into it. But it's it's less Metroidvania and a little bit more Dark Souls because it's a lot of like finding a weapon and weapon abilities. And the, so far, I like everything about it, but there's one thing that I really don't like, and that is that Uh-oh. there's there's no invulnerability on the dash, and it's really weird to think about that being a choice that you make in a 2D dark souls you know esque metroidvania game because how do you like one of the main ways you interact with a lot of bosses in these games especially when they're like you know salt and sanctuary like is that uh or you know i don't remember if uh hollow knight has this but ender lilies has this where you kind of like as the boss is rearing up or like you know they're they're charging for you you dash through them right and now you're on the other side and properly time dashes everything um but this game doesn't have that and I feel like I'm getting, like, hit all the time from, like, just standing too close to enemies. And I kind of hate that. I hate... I feel like there are so many of these games that I see this one, and it's got, like, a, a 77% on on Steam. And it's like, maybe you should just go play Ori, you know? Oh, I mean, I did play Ori. Did you play... You, what, what about I played the, the second, second Ori. One? I played the second oh, Ori. okay. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, feel I mean, like there's so many of these games that you can't stop to play the ones that are less uh, interesting. It is just a weird decisional thing that they that, that happened. Um, uh, then UK got its half anniversary, and it's fantastic. Uh, it's one of the best writing things. They they had this character in the game that was like such a unlikable character, and they kind of did the backstory for it. And, and the pre, like the post, the immediately post apocalypse. So this is like a this fills in like tons of gaps in the story, and it's one of the best events that they've done it's like a fantastic event that really fills in a lot of these gaps and that game is going strong half anniversary i've never seen anyone i've never seen a game that did that like a six month anniversary is like i don't know i mean yeah thank you um a year is too long year is well a year is is 12 months which is in fact two six two six months two times the amount of six months uh we have the last DLC character coming out soon for Midnight Suns uh, with Storm. So once that comes out, you got to go play Midnight Suns. It, are, are they doing season two though? I don't think so. I think this is it. Is my is is Gambit in there? No Gambit. Whoa. No X Men. That's a different license. Well, I guess Wolverine's an X Men. No, because they own. That's a good question. 
Wolverine's an X-Men and they and and it, th- that license isn't caught up anymore. Disney has the X, the rights to X-Men. You know X-Men is on Disney Plus, right? Or whatever it's called. Disney. Oh yeah, I saw that the animated the um X-Men Evolution from the 2000s was added recently. You saw the Doctor Strange. You remember who was in that? Uh, I don't. The Professor X is in it. Oh, he is? Yeah. Cool. Wow. When does yeah. that happen? What do you mean? When when does it happen? When does that happen? In... Professor X? You you said you didn't like this movie and you didn't remember Professor This is a big part of it. Yeah, because I was bored, so I didn't like, get to... There's, like... when, when Doctor Strange goes to like one of the alternate realities, there's he meets the Illuminati of that world, and the Illuminati is like Black Bolt, Professor X. Who else is in the Illuminati? I forget. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, um, uh, Reed Richards, uh, Mr. Fantastic is in the Illuminati. Wow, they got everyone. They got everyone. But yeah, everyone Disney has those rights. Those rights aren't in like limbo anymore. They should make a Smash game. They should make a Smash game. Marvel Smash. Oh, Smash! Make it a gotcha. A gotcha platform fighter. They have Marvel gotchas. Do they have Marvel oh, Smash? Oh, did you though? did you get a chance to play any Spiritfall? I did. It, like, maybe it's too early, right? It's a mix of... the. I've, I've been really interested early. in this. It's, a, it's like a roguelike that plays like a platform fighter. It does. And it has like a, a map system like uh, Slay the Spire, where you're uh, going to rooms, seeing the rewards, trying to like move up the track towards the boss. It's It's got kind of like a Hades vibe to it of being very like, um, you enter a room, you kill the enemies, you pick an upgrade based on what you did. And there's like, uh, if you go to the green room, you get the yes. the poison god, and if you go to the purple room, you get the enter the gravity god abilities. So it's very Hades meets a uh, smash in a way. That, I mean, that's an interesting combo. Maybe yeah, it's, that's fine. It, we do have two hours of podcast here, so that's probably that's where I'm at. Is this the deal? Yeah. This has been. What's the deal with games? We're in our 300s now. Yeah, 302, right? Yeah. That's a lot of podcasts. That's a lot of podcasts. Uh, You can find us online at WTDGpodcast.com, on Twitter, at sign WTDGpodcast, and on iTunes, Spotify, whatever your podcasting platform of choices where you can subscribe to the show and rate it, maybe. I don't know if you could comment on it. I don't know how they work anymore. Thank you. Ryan Galloway and Bumpier for the abuse of your music pop off the new album Pop Songs 2020. You can get it. I did that in a different order. Um, you can find them on YouTube where you can find links to their merch. Uh, what do we say? We say Save Daylight. That's one there's thing. A strike, women so women be shopping? Anything. We don't say anything. There's a writer's strike. Oh, there's a writer's so strike now. Okay. Yeah, so we We're not allowed to have taglines. I didn't yeah. know that Women Be Shopping was Dave Chappelle from Nutty Professor. There you go. But you know what's probably inter- interesting? Maybe if we keep going back in time, we'll keep, they'll find like another person that Dave Chappelle got Women Be Shopping from and then keep going further back. Because I thought Women Be Shopping was from Superstore. Originally, uh, Women Be Shopping was carved into a cave. That's exactly uh, where, where I was showed, thinking. Yeah, where it showed like a, a stick figure with bazongas holding shopping. Yes. Maybe it goes back all the way, you know? The first joke ever told. All the way. All the way.